Hey guys, welcome to the 25th episode of the Indian Market Story. We're here with our returning guest, Mr. Deepan Mehta, to talk about a very, very interesting subject, infra and construction companies. As you all know, one of the big benefits of the Modi government has been the amount of money that has been spent on infrastructure. And that's something we can see every day in our daily lives. But the biggest beneficiaries of this infra spending have been the engineering, procurement and construction companies that are responsible for building the infrastructure that we use today. So, Mr. Mehta, please tell us, why should investors care about these infrastructure and construction companies? First of all, Varun, thank you for having me on your podcast. <clears throat> and uh, it's a very uh, important sector, in my opinion. And the reason for that is that India, there's a desperate shortage of infrastructure, be it roads, airports, ports, power plants, the works. I mean, there's a shortage of every single thing. And the nation is in the mood to construct a proper infrastructure so that the economy can grow. <clears throat> right now, we are not able to grow above that 7.7.3% because there are infrastructure bottlenecks. The government has recognized that and that is why infrastructure has been given higher and higher budgetary allocation, which is why I think infrastructure builders like EPC companies are very important from an investor's perspective. Absolutely. So one really interesting thing that I wanted to highlight and get your thoughts on is over the last 28 years, the Nifty 50, our benchmark index for the stock market, has delivered 11.7% compounded. Against that, Larson & Tubro, which is really the behemoth in the space that most investors will know, has delivered 16.4% compounded returns for investors. So why is this outperforming over such a long time frame and is this one of the most important reasons it matters or are we missing something? See, Larson and Tobro is in a class apart and we'll talk about a lot about Larson and Tobro as the podcast progresses. But excluding Larson and Tobro, the EPC companies, they really haven't delivered any returns except in the last three, four years or so. And in fact, there have been so many accidents, mishaps, bankruptcies in the EPC business. It is really not I mean, it's incredible. I'll just give you one small example. Interesting. You know that Z promoters, mm -hmm. huh, they are to sell out of Z. Do you know why, Varun? I know something to do with infra and real estate. Yes. They started investing into infrastructure projects. Right. And that is how they lost the jewel in the crown, Z right. films, Z entertainment. So the same thing goes with GVK. GMR, you may not have heard of them also. Yesteryears, they were giants engaged in infrastructure construction and operating infrastructure projects. But they also, you know, got into a big mess with the banks in terms of NPA. So it's a very difficult sector, but nonetheless important. So, you know, it's funny you mentioned some of these companies, and I definitely know these names, and so do our viewers, because one of our podcasts, I, I don't think you remember, but it was on this exact subject about how companies that have got into too much debt to get involved in infra, infra projects have not delivered returns to investors. Exactly. So, so for our viewers, please go and watch that podcast to understand precisely why this is such a difficult business to be in. It is very difficult. And I think we should spend a moment to explain our viewers the nuances of why, the, why this particular industry suffered for so many decades and why it is doing well just now. Mm -hmm. And if you were to sum it up, it is because nowadays we are setting up our infrastructure projects far more sensibly. All the various risk factors, 
all the various aspects are covered especially land acquisition environmental clearances and financial closure mm-hmm. so what has happened is that as of now the last 7 8 years infrastructure projects are being done within the time frame and within the costs mm-hmm. and that reduces the risks mm-hmm. for these construction companies which are actually implementing mm-hmm. because what used to happen in the past is that they would be awarded a project they would start to build on the project and then there would be some government stay order or some some financial uh, financing problem or an environment problem and the project would get stalled mm-hmm. when the project gets stalled the construction company has invested mm-hmm. and therefore the working capital cycles go haywire and then many times there would be disputes with the government on the design and the scope of work mm-hmm. so we have learned a lot from the mistakes made from the beginning last 20 30 years on infrastructure projects and i'm happy to state that as of now we have really fine tuned this entire system of setting up large infra projects so the nation also benefits and these engineering construction companies also have their day in the sun so that's really interesting so maybe let's bring this down to our you know what matters for our investors the company yes. yes so what companies should investors be looking at both within the investable universe and outside the investable universe and maybe we'll go into some of them to teach our investors how to value these companies appropriately so varun first of all we are talking about companies so there's not recommendations and each investor should do their own due diligence but i've gone public to say that lnt lasan togo is a must own stock there's no parallel to lnt in the entire country there are certain projects in the country which only lnt can execute like the coastal road projects right. like certain projects in jammu and kashmir involving tunneling right uh, large scale projects can be done only by lasan togo and this has been a company which has been around for now almost uh, 90 years so before we get into lnt let's define the universe of stocks that we're looking at okay, right sure. we spend a lot of time on lnt because obviously it's the behemoth it's one of the driving forces of the indian economy what else is there so apart from lasan and tobro uh, there are certain uh, niche companies like ncc itd cementation and psp to an extent patel engineering uh, which also do infrastructure project construction but they have a slightly different business model in the sense that they don't invest in the projects they are constructing and there are companies like knr pnc dilip bilcon irb which apart from being engaged in construction of projects especially road projects they also end up as being investors in those projects under the government of india's hybrid annuity model uh, system of setting up these projects so broadly there are three classifications great so let's start at the behemoth in the room the one that you described as a must buy or a must own lnt now i mean i'm sure every investor is familiar with lnt but maybe for the few that aren't could you describe what lnt does or maybe how they're structured and give people a bit of a background into how lnt makes its money so they said i think lnt is one company it's among the top 15 com- construction companies in the world and uh, the complicated large size projects within india can be done only by lnt see the one thing varun that uh, we need to understand that this is not a business which can be done by a mnc coming into india 
So this business of creating infrastructure projects that is roads, ports, uh, metros, it has to be done by homegrown companies. And LNT is the finest example of a homegrown company. And because of its size, because of its uh, caliber of its engineering skills, because of its balance sheet, it can take up really large projects, 20, 30,000 crores also worth of projects and execute within the time frame and the cost on which it was allotted the project. Yeah. So let's, I, I want to try and give our viewers a sense of the size of l and yes. just, just so that they <laughs> get a sense of what kind of scale we're talking about yeah. and what kind of balance sheet size we're talking about. Absolutely. So they have a market cap of 4 lakh crores. Which is immense. It'd be more than 60-70% of all other EPC companies put together. Absolutely. And we'll, we'll get into how it's bigger than everything else put together. But just to give a sense of its operating metrics, um, it has an annual revenue in FY23 of 1,83,000 crores. It operates with a 16% profit margin and is currently sitting on an order book of 4 lakh crores itself. Yes. So, and sorry, just one more thing. Against that, it made a profit of 12,000 crores, which is, which is fantastic. So, do we want to talk about, you know, what drives growth for LNT? So, what drives growth for LNT, of course, is that uh, from time to time, we need to execute difficult large projects. That is where they are the only company which can execute it. So, they get those projects. Also, LNT management has been doing two very sensible things. Varun. One is that they are focusing on the margin of profit for the project. So low margin projects, they tend to avoid. Where there's too much of competition, they tend to avoid. And secondly, they've been focusing on overseas market, especially Middle East. And that has diversified their risk because it's not just India, they also have Middle East. And I suspect that the overseas orders are large in size and they give better margins and higher return on investment as well. So they've got subsidiaries in all parts of the Middle East which bid for projects. And as you know, because of oil prices, there's a lot of infrastructure construction happening in the Middle East as well. So they're taking the opportunity of both these geographies. That's what makes them quite unique. They have a lot of value in their subsidiary companies, the technology companies and the NBFC LNT Finance as well. And I think last two, three years, they have decided that they're going to get out of all the projects in which they have invested in. They may have invested in power plants and metro projects, road projects. They want to get out of those projects and focus on better capital allocation. And that's what puts them a class apart. That's really, really interesting. So again, I want to try and give our viewers a sense of, you know, what growth has looked like um, over the last five years their revenue and order book both have grown at about 6% or so, although it's very much worth mentioning that this is through COVID times and the last financial year's growth has been particularly strong. Let's talk about their growth going forward. Now, we know that there's a big push for infraspending. The government has made you know, very large infraspending commitments and one would ex expect that seeing as they're the only people in the room that can execute these projects, they're the only people that are going to receive the, the contracts to complete them. So do you expect this growth rate of about 6% on their order book to stay stable or accelerate? Or what does it look like? It will accelerate. And the point to mention over here is that we are entering election season. 
So that's when government kind of loosens its purse and they spend even more on infrastructure because they want to showcase to their voters uh, the quantum of infrastructure they have developed, you know. I mean, we all want better roads, better airports, better metros, better railways. And it's the government's responsibility to provide those services to us. So they are going to spend a lot more on these projects. And that's where companies like LNT and other engineering construction companies come into play. So I think that the industry's growth rates in terms of order booking, as well as in terms of execution, is going to enter into a new growth phase over the next two, three years or so. That, that's really interesting. And perhaps the market is also pricing some of this in, but I want to get your thoughts. So one metric we frequently use in this podcast is price-earnings ratio. And that's because the Nifty has a long-term average of about a 20 price-earning ratio. LNT has a current price-earning ratio of 37.8, which is very rich, especially for its size. Is that because of the accelerated growth or is this just brand name premium? It's all three. Accelerated growth, brand premium, one of its type company because of its size, and a lot of value in its subsidiaries as well. Right. So to an extent, optically, the price to earnings multiple ratio looks high. But if you compare the potential of the company, the growth that it can generate, I don't think that the and value of subsidies, then I don't think that the price to earnings multiple is that high. And this is a quality management company which has learned how to manage its balance sheet over the last 70, 80 years. I mean, there are there's hardly any parallel to LNT having survived in a difficult country like India for so many decades and yet prosper. So that's really interesting to hear. Um, one thing I want to once again point out for my viewers about how it's been such an outstanding wealth creator. Over 28 years, like we mentioned earlier, 16.4% compounded. And even over the last five years, 20% compounded. But the last year especially, has been outstanding with a 58% return on LNT. And I think from what I understand of your analysis of its ability to grow in the future, um, I really hope that this price performance for LNT continues for the next decades in the future. It's a great value creator and it is there in most portfolios of mutual fund managers and high net worth investors, small investors. So for all our uh, you know prosperity, we hope that LNT does very well going ahead as well. And LNT Varun has got very high corporate governance standards. It's a very transparent company. It's a key company from the government and the country's perspective as well. Uh, and it'd be interesting to know that it doesn't really have a promoter as such. Mm-hmm. It is owned by the uh, large part of the uh, ownership is with the employees trust. And then a whole host of domestic and foreign institutions they hold LNT. So truly, it is India's company. So I think it's a really beautiful way to describe LNT, India's own company, something that's driving everybody's portfolio. But maybe let's move on from LNT to the smaller players in the room uh, who are really a fraction of LNT size, but in themselves have a lot of interest to offer. So let's maybe start with NCC and uh, you know those types of in-front construction companies. What should investors be looking at when they're looking at these companies? Yeah, that's a nice question, Varun. That LNT is all pervasive, but smaller companies, what should investors be looking at? So what I look at first and foremost is the uh, order book position uh, and how many years the order book uh, 
position is compared to the revenues. So what we call it, the order book is 10,000 crores and revenues is 2,000 crores, then it is five times. Right. So that's the most important matrix for analyzing EPC companies. That is the order book position of the company. The so for NCC, just to give our viewers some context, their current order book stands at 50,000 crores, which has grown at a 7.5% over the last five years. And their current revenue stands at 15,000 crores, which has grown at only 4% for the last five years, which gives us, to your point, an order book to revenue ratio just above 3.5, 3, 3.5 thereabouts. That's as good as it gets as well. So it's, it's in line with what uh, other companies are having and it's in line with what an investor should expect because typically the projects are three, four years old or so in any case and they're all the time bidding for new projects as well. So that's the most important matrix that I'm looking for over here. Apart from the normal ones like return on capital employed and operating profit margins, the second most important thing to look for in an EPC company is the balance sheet quality. And if they have too much debt on their books, then that's a risk factor. So once again, just to highlight this point for our viewers, NCC seems to be faring relatively well with a debt of only 10,000 crores as against a revenue of 15,000 crores or a profit of 700 crores and an order book of 50,000 crores. Just to put this debt number into context. And more importantly, this has only been growing at 0.57%, which is slower than the profit growth or order book growth or the revenue growth. Just to maybe put it into context, this is perhaps a company that's managing its debt well or has learned to manage its debt well. Absolutely. That's why it has survived for so many years as well. So one question I have when I look at NCC is, so just to compare it to Alasan and Tugro, it has a profit margin of just 10.8%, whereas LND has a profit margin of 16.4%. And we look at you know some other EPC companies that have relatively healthy profit margins. Why is that the case and is that a problem or not really? Depends upon the complexion of the projects and if there are low margin projects then that could be the reason for it. But I think 10% is pretty much fine and 16% of LNT includes the subsidiaries also. So I think LNT's EPC margins would be 11, 12%, 10, 11% thereabout. So the margin figure is fine for NCC and all the other companies which we are covering in this podcast. Okay, that's very interesting to know. I guess my next question then becomes is, why is the why is the market valuing this so cheaply? Because it has a PE of only 13.4. And okay, LNT is a, a class apart. But why is this company at the peak of an economic cycle or as are approaching the peak of an economic cycle, not even being valued at the same rate as the rest of the market? So that's not true just for NCC. Across the board, uh, a lot of the EPC companies are valued very attractively and very cheap, which is why my uh, I feel that they could be great outperformers going ahead because the valuations are attractive and the earning visibility is fantastic over the next three, four years or so. The reason why they are at quoting at such low price to earnings multiple is because of the track record. The fear that investors have lost so much money in such infrastructure construction companies in the past that that fear factor is there, which is what keeps these price to earnings multiple low. That makes a lot of sense because if you look at the, the historical price performance of these companies as well, over the last 28 <coughs> years, NCC has only delivered 10% compounded, yes, yeah. which is much underneath you know its peers as well as the index. Uh, although the last year has been very good with the price almost doubling and it's returning a 93% return. 
That's right. And also the return on capital employed now is looking up, but last several decades have been very low. Right. So I guess that explains, you know, NCC and its, its particular <clears throat> troubles. Let's move on to the other set of companies you mentioned. Let's look at two companies that look relatively similar, PNC Infratech and KNR Construction. So what do they do? What drives these two companies? So while NCC also does water projects and is focused on uh, different, different types of projects, including housing projects, PNC and KNR are road builders. Okay. And constructing roads, highways, bridges is not that uh, competitive. It's very competitive and it's not that high tech nor is it, uh, you know, that difficult to do. So therefore, their margins also will be pretty much on the lower end. At the same time, there's a lot of competition and they are susceptible to delays because of what I told you about earlier in the past, especially acquisition of the land. And most importantly, the common thread between these two companies and three, four others, which we can also talk about, is that they are executing hybrid annuity model projects. And if I can explain that for a second. Yeah, sure. What exactly is a hybrid annuity project? So the government decides that they want to build a highway and they give the onus of managing that highway, including raising the funding to these EPC companies. So the EPC companies are required to invest their own capital and take on debt to construct the highway. And then they get certain benefits in terms of collection. So the government will subsidize them or it will allow them to charge a higher toll. Mm -hmm. So the whole project gets operational in the books of the EPC company and then they try and sell it to a financing company or to an investment trust. So the risk of the project goes from the government to these companies. So you can imagine Varun that that's quite a risky proposition. Don't you agree? Yeah, absolutely. And I guess, you know, you can see, see how that proposition is played out because let's maybe look at their figures for a second, just to give our viewers some context. PNC has a revenue in FY23 of nearly 8,000 crores and KNR has a revenue of nearly 4,000 or so crores, but both have grown in a very healthy manner. PNC has over the last five years grown at a compounded rate of 16% and KNR has grown at a compounded rate of 12%. But we discussed how we have to put the revenue growth in context of the order book. So let's maybe give our viewers a sense of that. The order book for PNC stands at 15,000 crores, so only two times the revenue. And for KNR, the order book stands at 8,800 crores. Once again, two times revenue. So that's different from what we discussed earlier, NCC as well as LNT. Yeah, that's right, because, uh, you know, there's only so much of capital which is there with these companies to execute these HAM, hybrid annuity model projects. And that's the reason why perhaps they have slightly lower order book position. But the basic business model is a little bit more risky than NCC, LNT, and some of the other companies we will talk about. So I want to ask a further question here, right? Because you mentioned that these projects sit on the balance sheet of these two companies. The debt burden for PNC Infra is at 8,000 crores, which is higher than the companies we've discussed previously. And it's also been growing at a clip of almost 10% over the last five years. KNR is a little bit better. The debt burden is only 1,500 crores and it's only grown at 2% over the last five years compounded. How important is this debt burden? How, how, how much of a drag is this debt burden? See, this debt burden also fluctuates a lot because supposing a 
project, ham project is completed and they sell the project, then automatically the debt comes down. So let's not focus so much on the debt or so much on the profit margins. It's important for investors to understand the business model is slightly more risky than some of the other companies which are in the industry. No, that's, that's very interesting. But again, I'm, I'm going to try and I'm going to try and maybe give a different perspective on this because the figures suggest something slightly different. Um, you talk about their business model being risky and how investors should be careful. But I just want to try and point this out. PNC Infratech has over the last eight years de- delivered a compounded return of 19.5% to investors. And KNR has delivered a compounded return of 33% over the last 15 years. So should we maybe look at it from a different light? Like I get that they're risky, but the numbers suggest that they're fine. You can thank Mr. Nitin Gadkari for it. Because he's the one who's really been pushing road projects, highway projects, and these companies really have benefited from that. But uh, I would say that uh, it's a crowded space as well. And uh, because they are investing in the projects themselves, there, there are certain limitations. So very, very interesting. So I think that brings me to the end of the list of companies I wanted to discuss today. Uh, we also have ITD Cementation, Patel Engineering, and several, several others that you mentioned. Uh, maybe let's take them all together and try and explain the rest of, you know, the infrant construction space and how should an investor look at an infrant construction company from start to finish? So I would want to talk about ITD Cementation because they're not into road and bridge construction. They do marine projects, they do metros, which is very different from the KNRs and the PNCs and clearly they do quality projects. And again, this is a company with a very sound balance sheet and a very strong promoter and very high corporate governance standards. So it was one of the, it is one of the picks, I would say, of many investors in the stock market. PSP projects, Patel Engineering, slight differentiation in the terms of projects they do. PSP is more office buildings. That Surat Diamond Boss has mm-hmm. been constructed by PSP projects. Uh, Patel Engineering is a lot into road projects uh, as well as into tunnels and water projects. So each of these companies has got certain specialization uh, because of their track record and they are basically banking on such projects to deliver higher growth for them. Right. So I I guess I'll reiterate my question. I'm an investor. I'm looking at say ITD Cementation or Patel Engineering. How should I look at this company? First, I look at the track record, Varun, because, you know, good times are fine, but these are also cyclical businesses and companies which have done well when the times are really tough for the industry uh, make for good long-term investing. ITD Cementation, Larson and Tobro certainly come to mind to an extent NCC also. How an EPC company manages itself when its crunch time is very important, point number one. Second, of course, we discussed about the order book position, order to revenues. That's the second important matrix that I look at. And third is the capital allocation policies of the company. And uh, it should not have too much debt on its balance sheet. This is very interesting. And I think hopefully our investors will take everything that you've pointed out to them in account before making any investments. Now, I know that uh, we're fully covered by disclaimer. And our investors will see it, you know, at the end of this video. But 
for someone that's maybe doesn't want to put all the effort in or is relying on the expertise of someone like yourself, how should they approach this sector? How should they allocate it in their portfolio? And what kind of stocks should they be considering? No, Ron, that's a very interesting question. We never talk about the allocation of the industry in a portfolio. And perhaps we should because that's one of the important decisions of our investor. In my opinion, I would put anywhere from 15 to 20% allocation in the infrastructure sector and as high as 5% allocation in last minute over. Oh, that's very high. That's I don't know what the nifty number is, but I think the nifty allocation to infra is not as high as 20%. But it's an outperforming sector and I love the way the order book positions are shaping up. It provides a lot of visibility. And you know, in the beginning of the podcast, we spoke about how the risk factors around construction, constructing infra projects has come down because all the aspects have been covered by the government. That point has not been fully appreciated or discounted in these stock prices. That's very interesting. So if you were, as in, again, I mentioned, we have a disclaimer at the end of the video, please do your own research. But what stocks should investors be considering other than LNT to be putting in this 15% allocation in their portfolio? So all of these companies we spoke about, we, we chose the best of the companies. There are at least 10, 15 more companies in the EPC space. But all of these companies, you could have equal allocation mm -hmm. and 1, 1, 2, 2, 3, 3% of your portfolio. And that would easily outperform the market over the next three to five years or so. One last caveat here. We have a very big election in May 2024. And uh, hopefully if the same government comes to power, these companies will do even better over the next three to five years. Otherwise, you have to just kind of reassess your investment argument. Just closing the loop on the stocks. What stocks should investors avoid? Oh, I think at this point of time, whichever stocks they are to avoid, they no longer exist or have become penny stocks. So that's not relevant. All the EPC companies which are listed are, I would say, investment grade at this point of time. So you could look at all or any of them. I think they are pretty much the same. As I said, order book to revenue, debt, track record. That's it. Fantastic. I think on that note, we're going to close the podcast. Please remember our key takeaways, 15 to 20% of your portfolio needs to be in EPCs and almost anything in the listed space is perfectly good to invest in, but you can't miss out on LNT. Absolutely. Thank you so much for joining us. We really hope you enjoyed this podcast and we hope it adds value to your portfolio. This podcast is produced by Elixir Equities Private Limited, a semi registered research analyst. Registration number INA 00004787. The information provided in this podcast is for educational and informational purposes only and should not be considered as investment advice. Investment in the securities market are subject to market risk. We strongly advise all investors to read all related documents carefully before investing. In my opinion, I would put anywhere from 15 to 20% allocation in the infrastructure sector and as high as 5% allocation in last minute over. Oh, that's very high. 
that's I don't know what the Nifty number is, but I think the Nifty allocation to infra is not as high as twenty percent. But it's an outperforming sector, and I love the way the order book positions are shaping up. 